0: The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. I've got a novel right here written by John C. Strobel at Just Hit Stores. It's titled Leaf Runner, and I'm curious about the book. I get to find out all about it. i got John right here at the Reader House Author Roundtable with me. John, welcome. Thanks for being here. Uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. John, what can readers expect when they open up Leaf Runner? Well,
1: they can expect suspense, sort of an edge-of-your-feet kind of book. page turner can not can't-put-it-down kind of book. Contemporary sci-fi thriller is the sort of a genre that I would put it in.
0: Would you say, then, that this is a book that primarily sci-fi fans would be into?
1: I would say, you know, fans of people like Michael Clayton, even. Because it goes more historical than futuristic. Hmm. So there's a, just enough sci-fi to give us an opportunity to go back in history a little bit.
0: John, can you go back and think about what inspired this story? how did you get the idea for it?
1: Well, basically, the idea came about when I was helping my father do some research on ancestry, which he's fond to do these days, trying to build a family tree. And, you know, there's such, it seems like there's such an interest in ancestry these days with all the DNA testing that's going on and looking into heritage and genealogy. And so, And just kind of imagine if you could actually go back and live in the minds of your ancestors, what could you learn? There's so much that we've learned, even just from DNA, that we thought was true, but it wasn't. But if you could actually go back and live in the mind of an ancestor or different ancestors and see what their lives were like and what decisions they made and how that might have affected you, even you today, it might be just mind-blowing. You know, it just kind of points out the decisions that even you make, how much they can profoundly impact your descendants. So your legacy matters.
0: Hmm. John, have you written and published before, or was this your first go at it? This
1: is my debut novel. It's sort of a product of COVID I kind of started during that time. You know, nowhere to go, not a lot of things to do other than stay at home. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my wife and I would play a game where one day she just kind of, you know, we we just ask each other questions just to kind of, you know, learn about each other even 31 years into marriage. And Mm -hmm. one of the questions she said was, what is one thing that you haven't done that you wish you could? And the answer came immediately. I, I've always wanted to write, and she said, then do it. So that's what I did.
0: Did you ever hit a point where you got writer's block and you just had no idea what to write next?
1: You know, it's amazing because the idea, once the idea for Ancestry came to me, it just flowed. I, I basically had the first draft done in less than six months, you know, and that's working with a full-time job too. So, you know, oh. it kind of came to me pretty quickly. Whenever I'd sit down and write, i it, it just kind of flowed. So No, I would have to say that I haven't really experienced that. And I've already started working on the sequel, so this is going to be a series.
0: Did you start writing this with an outline, John, like you knew how things were going to go the whole time? Or did you just sit down, start writing, and see where things went?
1: Well, you know, not having written a full-length novel before, I did start with an outline. But I quickly diverged from it (laughs) as the story sort of developed, right? You know, it it sort of developed. That happens. And it would take me different places, and that's just kind of where I had to go. So being an engineer my whole career, I had sort of one sort of creative portion of my brain, but doing writing, writing fiction, it was a whole new creative experience, but it was fantastic.
0: John, you got to tell me then what was going through your head and what you were feeling when you got to hold this thing for the first time. You got that copy in the mail. What was that like?
1: So... I was elated. I was excited. I was also a little bit anxious <laughs> because, you know, now that it became real, really what mattered most to me was whether people would love the story, mm. right? If people don't enjoy it, as, then it's kind of all or not. I mean, I can enjoy it, but I want everyone else to do it as well. So, you know, with some of the initial reviews and stuff, people are loving it. So that's kind of exciting to see, but there was definitely some anxiety.
0: <laughs> what did you find the most challenging part of things along the way, John?
1: Well, like I said, the writing actually was pretty smooth. That went pretty well. What was challenging was more, you know, finding a publisher, editing, designing page layouts, cover design, doing all the social networking and marketing and advertising and selling a book. Those are just things that an author has to do that when they sit down and write, they're really not thinking too much about, you know, but it's going to have to happen at some point if you want to publish.
2: So those are the things that are probably the most challenging.
0: Well, I think readers are going to love this page-turner. Again, it's titled Leaf Runner. It's written by John C. Strobel, published by Newman Springs Publishing, so you can get it everywhere, Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. John, thanks for coming on the show telling me about Leaf Runner and everything you're working on. I had a nice time talking tonight. Thank you, me too. I'm really happy here at the Reader House Author Roundtable to welcome back author Ronnie Jowers. Ronnie, thank you for joining me again.
3: Thank you, Corey. Glad to be here.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear you got another book out. Now, this is a biblically based fiction called Even a Shepherd. Uh, Ronnie, what's this one all about?
3: Corey, I've been thinking for a long, long time about the life of the shepherds that were there at the Nativity. When the angels told them about the Savior being born, you go see the Holy Family in Bethlehem. And they do, and then they go back to the fields, and that's it. And I've often wondered, what did that night do to the shepherd's life? And so I focused on a shepherd boy who created a connection with Mary, and that event with Jesus affected the rest of his life, and quite likely at the very end, after Jesus' birth and ministry and death, resurrection, and ascension, we find that only he and Mary were there from the very beginning to the very end. So I weave the Gospels into the story
0: with Alan. You said you were thinking about the Nativity and the shepherds, and that's what inspired this book. Ronnie, was there anything in particular that sparked that line of thinking?
3: Well, decades ago, I was teaching an adult Sunday school class. Naturally, I tried to focus on the nativity story during the Christmas season, and it just got me wondering that if that had happened to me, what would my life have been like? Would it have been the same? And I just went back to being a shepherd, or did that night actually affect my life, even trying to follow Jesus from afar, meaning I was in Bethlehem, and Aaron, the character loses track of where Jesus is for a while, but did he go look for him and try to be part of that ministry and so forth? So it's just been in my head for a long time, and with COVID and everything else, everybody told me to give it a shot, and so I love even the shepherd.
0: Mm. Were you imagining a general Christian audience for this?
3: Yes, and it's had good reception so far, but it's also many Christian readers that have told me they've read it, they've read it again for a Bible study and things like that, have told me that for anybody that wants to know about Christ, but that does not necessarily want to read the Gospels, this is a good good introductory book for them. So um, I'm hoping it's to people that are not already Christian.
0: Oh, I love it. Ronnie, how long of a process was even a shepherd for you?
3: Corey it probably took me a year and a half or so. And then after that, it probably took me another year or so to deal with an agency or self-publishing and so forth. So I've been at it probably
0: since COVID started. Mm. What was the most challenging aspect about the publishing and editing process for you?
3: Quite frankly, I don't really have another book in my head. And then it's biblical fiction, and the agents I tried to reach out to, most of them said that because I'm not going to be a multi-author, most likely, and the fact it's biblical fiction, which doesn't sell all that well, that it wasn't really of great value for them to be an agent. So I then decided to go into look into self-publishing, and there are a ton of self-publishing companies out there. And you mm-hmm. just have to find the one that you feel most comfortable with in their process, their editing, their assistance in marketing. And when I say I'm Christian Faith Publishing, I felt like that was the right fun for me, and that's true to
0: be true. Ronnie, you said you're done after this. Do you really think you're all done writing after you're done here?
3: Well, as you mentioned at the start, uh, this is my second book. I did write a kid's book this year called Well, Not Really, and it's me exaggerating to my grandkids how old I am, and I have a role in many um, historical events. But I never tell them how old I am. So if that book does well, I may write another kid's book.
0: Well, now that you've been through this thing a couple times, Ronnie, I'm sure you learned a lot. Uh, what's your best advice that you could give to the aspiring authors?
3: Well, you will, as a new author, probably doubt, should you even do this? Is it worth mm. it? so forth. And I struggle without a good bit? But then I said, yeah, I want to do it for myself. But if it reaches and is meaningful to at least one person out there in the great
0: wide world, I'll feel like uh, it was a big success. Again, it's titled Even a Shepherd. It's written by Ronnie Jowers, published by Christian Faith Publishing, so you can get it everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Ronnie, it's been really great having you on the show again and talking all about your work. Thanks for being here. And I really hope we get to talk again when you get that next one out.
3: Okay, Corey. Thank you so much.
0: I'm really happy that right now, sitting beside me here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Tawny Smith. Tawny, welcome. Thanks for being here.
4: Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here.
0: Well, I'm glad you're here, too. You got a new book out, and I wanted to congratulate you on that. It's called Delightful Questions for Children. Tony, can you tell me about it?
4: Yes, I'm excited to have it published. It's something that's just kind of been a part of my life, asking questions to children that are open-ended. So it's not a simple yes or no kind of answer, but something that gets them to think a little bit. So I was a teacher for over 22 years at the early ed, and um, parents loved to hear what the children had to say. We would write it up and they would take pictures of it, you know, whatever we had to do. it parents just really enjoyed that and treasured it. And it just got to thinking, and I'm retired now, but how much parents enjoyed that. And it was always interesting to hear you know what children said and they're at different ages and stages in their development and their language skills and their imagination and it was just a delight so that's literally how it just kind of came together for me so yeah so there's 65 questions and there's a question and a place for the answer which if your child is older they can write their own answer in there if they're really young then a parent a grandparent teacher whoever caregiver can write now the answers for them. And then there's also on the adjacent page, there's a blank page. Now, that could be for a child to draw a picture of what they've described or their answer. It could be a place that, you know, if you were doing it long distance or a younger child that doesn't want to draw, that you could just write down your thoughts, you know, about Mm -hmm. what is surrounding that moment that you asked the question, their age, what you were doing, you know, that type of thing.
0: I love the idea of this book, Tawny. How long of an endeavor was this for you once you sat down, began working on it, clear up until it hit stores?
4: Oh, gosh. Well, I took several months of just thinking of questions and writing down and formulating it. So mm. probably four or five months of that. And then there was time um, getting it edited and, you know, all the detail part and the layout of it, the graphic design. So I'm going to say it was probably about, oh, for sure, a year. Yeah, for sure, a year. Probably a little more than that.
0: Was this your first time doing something like this?
4: Yes, yes. It was, like I said, it was a a big learning curve for me Mm. because I hadn't done anything like this. And so I really enjoyed the process as far as just how I'm learning, you know, the publishing work. And then Covenant Books was wanting to publish it, which I was thrilled about. Mm. And yeah, I felt very honored that they would put their stamp of, you know, yes on it.
0: Yeah, the publishing end of things can get kind of crazy. What did you find the most challenging part of that for you? Oh, that's a good question.
4: The most challenging part, well, I'll tell you what, is the wait.
0: Mm. <laughs> <The laughs>
4: going through the stages, uh, you know, again, never knowing, I just kind of get the meta, you do a few checks, and then it pops out kind of thing. But that's <laughs> literally not how it works. You know, every stage is important, and I learned that. You know, when it went from one point to the next point, you know, the approval of it and then, you know, and then it goes to here and then, you know, and then there's the back and forth. So I think part of it was the wait time of just being patient and letting everyone, you know, thinking that you're the only book, right? (laughs) I'm sure they're working on a lot of other books, but yeah, yeah, that was probably the most challenging, but they were great to work with. I had a publisher assistant that was amazing, answered every question I could think of.
0: So looking ahead, Tani, do you see yourself writing more and publishing more?
4: I do. I mean, I would love to. I've thought of a lot of different questions for different seasons. I'm kind of an outdoor person, so I really I like to think of things that in um, creation. But well, not just that, but just like holidays, father's name, mother's name, all those kinds of things. I think when people get to hear what their children are really thinking, rather than something that's already written out for them, you know, about how they should think, it is literally a delight. It really is. And that's one of the words that just kept coming to me when I out what am I going to call this? You know, and I thought, <laughs> honestly, it is. It's a delight for mm. children uh, or for us to hear what children say. So that was part of just figuring out the title. But yes, I'm hoping to do more. You know, Like I said, I've been in that field a while and I love a good picture book story. I've got a few thoughts that I've been jotting down. And so I don't know, you know, Lord willing, yes.
0: Well, I really think children and families are going to be really into this book. Again, it's Delightful Questions for Children. It's written by Tawny Smith, published by Covenant Books, and available everywhere. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Tawny, it's been great having you on the show and learning about Delightful Questions for Children and all about what you're doing. Thanks again for being here.
4: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: Why me? That's a question that almost all of us ask at some point in our lives. And Author Dallas M. Gardner has written a book along those lines titled, Why Me, Lord? Suffering Widower. And I get to find out about this book. Dallas is joining me now. Dallas, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much.
0: I appreciate your time. Dallas, tell me all about Why Me, Lord? Suffering Widower. What can readers expect?
1: Well, it is a little bit of a personal journey through probably the darkest time, at least in my life to date, and that was that was going through cancer with my wife mm. at the time of about twenty three years of marriage and four children, four sons. Going through that, being a, a believer, you know, follower of Jesus Christ for my most of my life, you know. Born and raised in a church, and then having to walk that path and things not turn out as you had prayed for or mm. had expected things to happen, and at somewhat of an early age, and just to give someone an indication that it's, over, it's all right to be angry and, and mad and. But also, it's basically a testimony of what was given to me that got revealed to me during that time. Afterwards, I should say, once the dust settled and the funeral yeah. services, the memorial services were over and the struggle began. And During that time, I realized there wasn't a whole lot out there for the widowers, particularly mm. widowers who our believers are Christians. There just wasn't a lot of resources out there. And, you know, I, I struggled with it. I never considered myself a writer. I never envisioned that I would be writing anything outside of something that you know was assigned to me in the class years and years ago. Mm. And wrestled with that. Ultimately realized that I just needed to hopefully share that story and share that that it might help someone. And however it turns out, I kinda let God take that and use it as he sees
0: Dallas, how long of a process was this for you once you sat down and started writing it clear up until it was published?
1: When I sat down, actually, the timeline chronologically was 2017 is when we were given the news that she had colon cancer. My wife's name was Marla, and it was kind of a simple appendicitis that turned south. And So 2018 was the year that everything kind of happened, and she went home on September 21st, 2018. Mm. I didn't consider it, struggled several months after that, and then probably the middle of 2019, when my mother was also passing away. About the late 2019, I finally conceded and said, okay, if this is what you want me to do, God, then I'll do what I can do and I started an outline and then the pandemic happened in 2020 and the position that I was working at the time pretty much required us to be on site and so when they sent us off site because of the unknowns that were going on then I actually had a lot of time to devote to it probably from start to finish from the time it actually hit the presses You know, there was a lot of back and forth and editing and design of the cover, which probably took more time than it did to write it. I would say from the beginning of 2020, somewhere on March of 2020, till it was finalized and uploaded and ready to go April of this year.
0: Do you see yourself writing another in the future, do you think?
1: Yeah, I actually do believe that, you know, depending on the Lord leads to that, I would not mind at all to undertake something similar or within a, a similar type vein.
0: Well, I think readers everywhere are really going to be blessed by this book, and I encourage my listeners to go check it out. Again, it's titled, Why Me, Lord? Suffering Widower. It's written by Dallas M. Gardner, published by Christian Faith Publishing, so you can get it everywhere, Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Dallas, thank you again for coming on the show, telling me about your book and about your story. I had a nice time talking tonight.
1: Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. I enjoyed speaking with you, and uh, thank you for the opportunity.
0: The book we're talking about here is about a mouse, actually a computer mouse. It's called Togi's Adventures, The Big Move. It's written by Dr. Stacy L. McDonald. And I get to find out all about this book. Dr. McDonald is here with me now. Stacey, welcome. Thank you for joining me.
4: Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here.
0: I'm honored to have you on. Stacey, tell me all about Togi's Adventures, The Big Move. What can people expect here?
4: Children of all ages, you know, four to 98 or 102 <laughs> can learn about a computer mouse through this book. It's instructional as well as an interesting read and simple for all readers to read. It came from a dream and I woke up at four in the morning and it was like I saw a movie. It was a gift. So I wrote it down and I called my girlfriend who is a musician and stays up all hours as well. And mm-hmm. I said, listen, Anna, this is about a computer mouse that I can't use that name because, you know, Logitech, it's already commercialized. and mm. Just change the weather and make it togy. So, <laughs>
5: there you,
0: go. you know, I
4: did some research and it came together. And so he's going on many adventures, but this was the start of his adventures.
0: Stacy, have you ever done this kind of thing before when it comes to writing and publishing?
4: You know what? On my thesis, I did peer engagement linked to student reading outcomes because I'm an advocate for teaching people of all ages to learn to read. Mm. That's my specialty. So during COVID, writing became a side thing and I just was starting out with women's self help book, Christian Woman's Guide to Dating and Having a Relationship with the other two and then This dream came, so I wrote it down, and it got accepted by Christian Faith Publishing, which I'm so thankful to work with them. They're wonderful to work with. And I've just started writing some sequels, Togi's going to surf camp next. So this was just the beginning of his adventure. So, you know, you, you have some ideas, and they come out. And... I'm always aiming to educate in some way and stretch it out. So people, it's not just about a move. It's more how to handle the move, the emotions, and that everything's going to be all right. And a positive attitude certainly gets you through a lot. And I thank my parents for that. All three of them. I I was blessed with a mother, father, and a stepdad. They gave me gifts beyond this life. So I'm very thankful for that. And I try to share that in my writing.
0: What a great message this book has, Stacy. How long of a process was this for you once you sat down got to work on it, clear up until it was published?
4: You know, it took about six to seven months with writes and rewrites. I'm a nut about grammar, mm-hmm. so I wanted children to learn to read proper grammar. I think that's very important for writers. It is. We've pass that on in the English language. It was a process. And then, you know, Christian Faith Publishing helps me with the artwork because I do artwork, but I, I'm not up for putting it all together. So the writing comes rather easily for me. Of course, you have to write Mrs. Frank from seventh grade. Write what you know about or what comes to you, you know, and she taught me well. So I thank Mrs. Frank as well.
0: So everything you've picked up now along the way of doing this and everything you've learned, Stacy. what advice would you give to an author that came up to you and said, hey, I want to get my first book out. I want to get published. Uh, what would you tell them?
4: Just be careful about the publisher you pick because some publishers own your writing once it's out of your hands and in theirs. Christian Faith allows me to own all my writing. Even if it's rejected, I can republish it somewhere else. And I would definitely follow Ms. Frank's advice. Write about what you know and just be authentic and sincere. People see that through your reading, like songwriting and music. Books are the same. You, you can tell who feels and knows their product and what they're writing about.
0: Well, children from 2 to 99 are going to be into this book, and I encourage everybody listening to seek it out. Again, this is Togi's Adventures, The Big Move. It's written by Dr. Stacy L. McDonald and published by Christian Faith Publishing, so you can get it everywhere. Get on over to Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble or iTunes or down the street to your local bookshop. You'll be able to pick this up. Stacy, it's been so nice talking with you here and learning about Togi's adventures and what you got ahead of you. Thanks again for being here.
4: Thank you so much.
0: There's a new audiobook we're going to be talking about right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. It's titled Eldine Anna McGrady, Tragedy, Adventure, and a New Beginning. This one's written by Melvin L. Edwards, and I get to find out all about it. Melvin is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Melvin, welcome. Thank you for being here. Glad to be here. Can you tell me all about this book, Eldine Anna McGrady, Tragedy, Adventure, and a New Beginning? What can readers expect here, Melvin?
6: Well, it's actually a a book about a lady that lost her husband in a tragic accident. And she has two teenage children. She's a young mother of about 35 or so. And she um, owned a dress shop in Baltimore, Maryland. And her husband owned a business of loading and unloading ships. He got killed in a tragic accident. And she decided that she just didn't want to live in Baltimore anymore. It just wasn't for her. And she decided to take her two children teenagers, and go out west in their covered wagon. They planned uh, the trip out west and joined the wagon train in Springfield, Illinois, and started their trek west.
0: And taking a trip out west back then is a lot different than it is now.
6: Yeah, it was in the 1840s, late 1840s, wow. just before the gold rush. Actually, uh, the gold rush is probably had started already, and so... It was quite an adventure for a woman uh, to be at the helm, so to speak, mm. with two teenage children and with a covered wagon and making a trip like that with no experience.
0: Melvin, what kinds of readers or listeners, in this case, with the audio book, do you think would really be into this?
6: Well, I have distributed to all ages right now, and everybody that has read the book has really liked it. Mm. And that's all ages, all the way from uh, my young grandkids that are teenagers up to people up in the 60s, you know, 70s.
0: Hmm. Melvin, what inspired you to write this? What was that spark?
6: Well, it's a story I've had in my mind for a long, long time. And when I was a very young boy, about four years old or so, five years old, maybe, I knew a lady named Dean, and she had lost her husband and she was running this big ranch all by herself, and uh, I just loved her, you know, and she treated me like a grandmother would, and I have never forgot her. And I decided to to write a book with the woman at the helm and uh, how she would handle her life without her husband.
0: Melvin, when it comes to writing and publishing and everything like that, is this your first time? It is. Wow. Congratulations on that first book getting out there for you. Oh, thank you. Did this take a long time for you to write and then publish?
6: It took me uh, approximately two years to write it because I kept procrastinating. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I would get going with it, and then I would think of another path, and it was just quite a task for me. And I was so, when it got published, I just couldn't believe it, Mm. you know?
0: And then once it came in, you actually got to hold that first copy in your hands and look at this thing, Melvin. What was that like?
6: Oh, it was amazing to me. I couldn't put it down. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> in fact, I read the whole thing all over again. It's a good, clean story. There's no foul language and stuff in it, but it is a good story on adventure, and there's no sex and stuff in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's any age group can read it anybody can read it and enjoy it as a completely clean book (laughs) put it that way
0: (laughs) so based on everything that you learned along the way what advice would you put out there for the aspiring authors who are listening
6: well it's just to never give up you know you got an idea put it down write your ideas down and keep tabs on them and keep adding to them and uh if you want to write a book, do it, you know, I mean, just do it and stay with it as much as you can.
0: Good advice. Well, I think audiobook fans are really going to be into this one. It's titled eldine Anna McGrady, Tragedy, Adventure, and a New Beginning. It's written by Melvin L. Edwards and published by the Audiobook Network. So you can find it everywhere that you grab your audiobooks, like on Audible, Apple iTunes, Amazon, everywhere. Melvin, thanks again for joining me here and telling me about this book. I had a nice time talking with you.
6: Well, thank you. I enjoyed talking to you.
0: The book we're talking about now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable looks to answer questions that humans wondered about for centuries. It's titled In the Name of God, The Unveiling of the Truth Behind the Religions. This is a book written by Yusef Hamuda. And we're gonna talk all about it. Youssef is right here with me now. Youssef, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Yes, thank you. Can you tell me all about what you've written in the name of God? In the name of God was actually a research uh, that I spent years
7: looking into the different religions, why there's so many religions, which one is right, which one is wrong. And I found at the end that God was behind every single religion that ever existed. And there are two things that solve the problem for me two key things number one religion or religions are not for god religions are for the people this is why they are designed for the people that follow this religion number two to worship god is to obey him not to pray for him or kneel down it's to obey him that's the meaning of worship therefore in all the history when humans were still at the beginning of their intelligence. Introduce religions that suit that time for them. The message is one and the same since the beginning, since the Pharaohs until Jesus and until Islam. It's one and the same. It's the values that God wants humans to live by so we could coexist. There's no religion better than any. No people are better than any. It's what you do in life that makes you better than anybody or worse.
0: Youssef, what sparked this line of thinking for you? Was there a particular inspiration that made you get started on this? I
7: wanted to find the truth because I come from a split family. My mother was Christian. My father was Muslim. I had siblings were Christians because my mother was married before, and I have siblings who Muslims, and i in between which one was right and which one was wrong, and that really inspired me to look for the truth. Hmm.
0: How long of an endeavor was this for you? I could imagine something like this might have taken you a while. In terms of of writing the book, by coincidence, the 2nd of October, which is today, represents the
7: 10th anniversary when I started dictating the book to my wife. The 2nd of October, 2013, I started dictating the book. It just came like that, and I finished it in 61 days on the 3rd of December, 2013.
0: Have you ever done this kind of thing before, Youssef? Have you ever written or been published? i never written an essay in my life. What did you find the most challenging part of writing and publishing this?
7: Publishing, maybe I didn't have any advertisement. I didn't have any marketing. Nobody knew about my book. The idea itself is not easy to accept. Every person thinks that their religion is the best for all humanity. And that's not true. It's only better, best for you, not for the others. We should stop trying to impose our own belief on others. Everybody has their own belief, and that's it.
0: Yusuf, do you think this is a book that mainly Christians would be into, or is this a wider audience?
7: I think it's wider audience. Hopefully, Christians will be very interested in it. I talk about the problems that happen, especially with Islam, because this is my background, mm. and how it was completely misinterpreted by people. And now, the ugliness came out from the radicals,
0: the terrorists, and I did condemn them I mean, to have for terrorists. And once that first copy came in, you finally got to hold your book, Yusef, for the first time. What was going through your head?
7: It was amazing. I mean, uh, I never thought that this would actually come true. I mean, this is a dream that really comes true. And I hope that people would like it and read it and understand once and for all that we are equal, but we are different. And we should live in peace together with the values that God gave us in all his books. We should respect each other. We should have compassion. To each other, and should live in honesty and integrity. Those three things,
0: everything in a day. What a wonderful message. Well, I really think that Christians and people of all faiths are going to be blessed by this book. It's titled, In the Name of God, the Unveiling of the Truth Behind the Religions. It's written by Yousef Hamuda. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. And you can get it everywhere, so go on over to Amazon, or Barnes & Noble, or iTunes, or traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll find this book. Yousef, thank you again for joining me tonight, telling me all about In the Name of God. I hope we get to talk again sometime.
7: Thank you very much, and I hope so too, and I'll be
0: waiting. I have so much to say. And good cut. Help! My Nana Looks Funny. That's the name of the new book. It's just hit stores. It's written by Tanya R. Taylor and Ayana R. Taylor. And right now, Tanya's here with me at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and I get to learn all about this book. Tanya, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Tanya, you got to tell me about this. I love the title Help My Nana Looks Funny. What can readers expect here?
5: So the book is colorful, it's bright, it grabs your attention. And it basically is a book about strokes for children. We kind of tone down a lot of the information that we give to adults. What it is, is it's a coaching tool for children in the home so that they can recognize the signs of a stroke and how to take action and call 911.
0: Hmm. Tonya, what was the spark? What inspired you to write this?
5: So my inspiration was basically my home care patients. I would get to the home and there was Nana or another elder there who had had a stroke. But the person taking care of the elder and, you know, our grandparents are an extension of our care where we sometimes drop children off at the grandparents to take care of them while we work. And so they should be taking care of the children, but the children was actually taking care of the grandparents. And so a lot of things they could recognize and understand because kids' minds are just like a sponge. And so they couldn't tell me exactly what had happened, but they can describe that Nana looks funny. They can go get the medicine for you. They can't tell you what it is, but they can certainly tell you if she's taking it or not, what's going on in the home. So my home care patients was the inspiration.
0: Hmm. How long of a process was this for you?
5: It took about a year. We had started thinking about it, and then once we got with a publisher, it, the process took about a year.
0: And once it finally came in, and you got to hold this book, actually, for the first time, Tanya, what kind of a moment was that like for you?
5: Oh, my God, I felt so blessed. I felt like, you know, this was coming into fruition, and it would be able to help so many households. And not just households, but home care centers, hospitals can use it. I've gotten great feedback on Amazon. Hmm. And I've actually gotten great feedback for some reviews that I've already posted on the website. A lady was reviewing it out loud. And in addition to that, one other young lady sent me, a. it wasn't a review, but she sent me some information where she had the book in her car and another person took it. And actually read it and ended up using it because that next couple of days, their grandmother had a stroke. Very mm.
0: <laughs> Tony, do you have experience writing and publishing or is this your first one?
5: No, this is my first one.
0: Wow. Oh, congratulations.
5: Thank you. Thank you. The only thing I've probably written for is papers in school. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm sure you learned a lot then doing this for the first time, Tanya. Is there anything you picked up along the way that you could throw out there as advice for the aspiring authors?
5: Yeah. If you're thinking about writing a book, just go ahead with the first step. And that is putting your thoughts on paper Hmm. and then revising that and letting someone else look at your work to help you revise it. And then from there, finding someone that can bring your words to life, because the guy who is our illustrator, Carrick Adams, we actually turned in sick people. He just brought the character to life. Oh, wow. Yeah, they are gorgeous.
0: They are. I love the illustrations. Yeah.
5: And then from there, we kind of searched for a publisher online, and we saw this Christian book publisher, and so we contacted them, and I think it was divine inspiration because God put us together.
0: Hmm. You talked about maybe getting another book out there, Tanya. Do you have anything in mind? Are you working on anything?
5: So we were looking at talking about something geared toward respiratory in her field, where she will be the lead author, and she was thinking about writing something about asthma. He was actually thinking about calling this something like Dust Bunny."
0: <laughs> I think this book is really going to help a lot of people, especially children, when it comes to emergencies. It's titled Help, My Nana Looks Funny. It's written by Tanya R. Taylor and Ayana R. Taylor. And it's published by Covenant Books, so you can get it everywhere. Check out Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll find this book. Tanya, how nice it's been having you on the show. Thanks again for your time. I hope we get to talk again.
5: All right. Thank you.
0: The Legend of Christmoose. This is the name of the new book in stores now, written by Wright Smith. And I'm really curious about this one, and I'm going to find out all about it. Wright is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Wright, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, Corey. I appreciate your time. You got to tell me, what is The Legend of Christmoose all about?
2: It's about a moose that wants to become one of Santa's reindeer. There's a life lesson to be learned along the way in the book, but basically that's the gist of the story is the tale of a moose that has always wanted to become one of Santa's reindeer and his child's trying to get there.
0: All right. What kinds of readers do you think would be really into this?
2: It appears initially to be for small children, but in reality, I honestly believe, and I've heard so many people tell me already, that the book appeals to people of all ages. Anybody that enjoys the Christmas season and the Christmas spirit, I've had many, many people say that they just find it absolutely adorable mm. and looking forward to reading it to their grandchildren
0: or just having it on hand to read. Again, just for fun. You got to tell me, right. where did the idea for this one come from?
2: Great question. <laughs> one, I'm not really sure I can answer very quickly. I think it's, yeah, you know, most people, or I'll say a lot of people, make comments. I should write a book. Hmm. And they never get around to doing it for whatever reason. But this is just something that just kind of popped in my head one time, and I decided, well, let's just give it a try and see what happens. And I did.
0: <laughs> wow. So this is your first time writing a book and being published. How long was this for you to get out there?
2: It honestly took probably around four to six months of actual working on the book, but that was over several years. I started off. I wrote the book. It probably within it probably took me about two months to actually write the book. When I was pretty satisfied with it, I went ahead and copyrighted it. Then now I think I had it illustrated. It took me about a couple of years to find an illustrator to work with. But when I did find the illustrator Todd Pearl, who did a Fabulous job, by the way. Mm-hmm. He and I worked together for a couple more, two to three months. I would tell him what I had envisioned the scene to be. He would draw a sketch, send it to me. He was in Michigan, by the way, and I'm in North Carolina. So we did all this on the telephone and via emails. But we worked back and forth, tweaked it a little bit here and there. And I think he did a terrific job shortly thereafter. So yeah, that's what I say, the actual work on the book, Probably took about four to six months from me writing it and him illustrating it. But
0: probably took two or three years before he and I were actually able to connect and make the whole deal work. So this is several years coming. What was it like when you got to hold this thing for the first time? You got that first copy in.
2: It felt good. But probably the very first thoughts that went through my mind was when I looked at it, I thought, OK, I really like the quality of the book. The guys did a great job with the printing now. Let's get busy and market this book. It was kind of an objective opinion. I can't say it was subjective so much. It was more objectively just like, you know, it's a business deal now. Now, let's get get busy and market it.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful product I got here, so let's get it out to people.
2: Exactly. Thank you.
0: Uh, Looking down the road, do you think you'll be writing more and publishing more?
2: Actually, I have already written a sequel to this book. Oh, wow. And I've got two publishers that are interested in publishing the book as we speak. I decided that we would publish the first book first. And if everything's doing well, and it appears to be heading in the right direction. Then next year, we should have the Sleep Game maybe coming out. And I do have the name of that one. I, can, I can't tell you that. It's, it's called The Magical Moosel Tully. I love it. Another <laughs> cute book. Same characters, just... The story continues.
0: I love it. Right. Who do you have in your life that inspires you or keeps you encouraged?
2: <laughs> my wife. She is, I give her 100% of the credit of support and pushing and encouraging me to, let's go in and let's do this. Let's do this. Let's keep going with you. You're doing great, et etc. Et so <laughs> definitely my wife.
0: Well, I think this is a book a lot of people are really going to love. Again, it's titled The Legend of Christmuse. It's written by Wright Smith, published by Newman Springs Publishing, so it's available everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Wright, thank you so much for coming on the show, and thanks for being here. You're certainly welcome, Corey. Thanks for having me. Joining me right here now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm happy to welcome Howard Percival Johnson. Howard, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. The pleasure is all mine. I wanted to say congratulations. You have a new book out. It's called Boats in My Blood. Howard, can you tell me all about it?
8: I've been blessed all my life by having the name Howard Johnson. People always laughed and said how funny that is that I was a restaurant. (laughs) Of course, at one time, there were 400 Howard Johnson restaurants in the United States, and there's far fewer now. I led a blessed life without any question or doubt because my father lost his job making munitions in the Second World War because the war was over. And so he told my mother, I think this would be a good time for us to have a child. So I was really born at the just bitter end of World War II. And my family always had boats. And my father also one of his main hobbies was repairing antique furniture. Hmm. So my mother taught me how to refinish boots, and my father taught me how to repair antique furniture. And we lived near Annapolis, Maryland, which was in a way a capital of antique everything. Historic, you know, the capital of our state. So consequently, I started restoring antique furniture as a high school student and it caused me to be able to be self employed and make friends with everybody who collects antiques and so i got to work on every imaginable kind of antique furniture all my life and still do also my father had a large truck repair shop. So my father took me there, actually. We picked up my father to go to the boat every weekend. And I got to see what was new at the shop and also work in every department and get to know every man, all 35 employees my father had. Well, it was really helpful because they did everything except for engine repair, just about. So I got to work on every imaginable type of thing all my life.
0: Howard, how long did that take you to write?
8: Six months. I worked on it almost every day. Because I was self-employed all my life, and because my parents insisted that I read, what my mother did was, she said, I'll teach you how to read and read to you, and then you will read to me. So while she was cooking every night, she would pick novels and other kinds of historic stories at the library. We went to the library every week. So then she had me read her books to her while she made dinner. I became a really active reader and have my own library with a, an enormous collection of books.
0: Well, Howard, if you had one piece of advice that you could throw out there to the aspiring authors, what would that be?
8: Collect stories. Mm. You have to analyze stories in order to know if it's going to be a good story. Um, there's no question about it. And tell stories. That's the other thing. You can't just collect the story. You have to be good at telling it. Your enthusiasm is the basis for how good the story will be. Also, collect people. That's the other thing. The more people you know, the greater the variety of people that you speak stories about or tell stories, too. You know, you have to enrich your skills all the way along. No question.
0: I think a lot of people are really going to be into this book. I I encourage my listeners to check this out. Again, the title is Boats in My Blood. It's written by Howard Percival Johnson. and It's published by Newman Springs Publishing, so you can find it everywhere, like on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Howard, thanks again for coming on the show and tell me all about your life story and Boats in My Blood. I had a really good time tonight.
8: Well, thank you for calling and I'll look forward to talking to you another time.
0: We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books.